0: Welcome back to For The One Podcast, Racism in the Bible series, part two. And so kind of what I want to end on is, as a result... Of all these things that we just talked about, we are to make disciples of all the nations. So in Matthew 28, 19, it talks about this. Nations really translates to ethnos, which means people groups, and we get ethnicity from this word. So God wants every person of every ethnicity to be brought to Christ through the ministry of the church. No one else has this job. It is Christian's job. It's believer's job. It's the church's job to bring people of every nation and people group to Christ. So we're going to just talk about a lot of people are trying to, again, redirect blame and blame things other than themselves. Okay, what we have to understand is what is sin and what is not. Sin is a thing a person does. It is not who the person is. So when you're talking about, oh, this person is a criminal, so they deserve to die, blah, 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 blah. We were all sinners at one point. And so that means we all deserve to die and i think it's really important as christians to stop judging and blaming the people and start pointing at the sin because god cares about the pe- person. He hates the sin. He doesn't hate the person because they sin. Like that's not that's not it. It's god still loves the person. He just doesn't want them to sin anymore because in the end it's really hurting them. And of course scripture talks about that all over the place, but it's really important that when you're trying to justify people, whatever you're trying to do, always go back to the word of God and understand that sin is a thing a person does. It is not who a person is. It's important as a believer to always ask the Lord to open your eyes to sins that you might be committing. And I think like a really awesome verse um, that kind of talks about this is like the plank in your own eye versus like the speck in the other person's eye. Start with addressing the things that you're doing that could be better before going around and accusing people of having a speck in their eye when you have a plank in yours. We can still love and care for people and not support their sin. That's basically the main point to, again, kind of close this out. Racism is a sin. Sin can become cancerous and into other parts of your life and you don't even realize it before you know it you're just a mess it's very important that as believers we are aware of when we are messing around the line okay and I think as mature believers you shouldn't even be anywhere near the line but um, if you're still growing learning walking in faith it's important to understand for yourself what is sin and what is not sin and always go back to the Word of God to really get those lines and that definition (laughs) I think like the biggest thing I feel like I've learned through all of this is when to learn, when to listen and when to speak and really listening to God on when he says to do that. And I think as a default, you should always be quick to listen and slow to speak. And of course, Tots, you can jump in and add on that too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I think overall, especially if you're not a black person in America right now, like it is so important to listen and to educate yourself because there's so many things that, like, even now, where I was like, I've been surrounded, like, a lot of my friends are Black, a lot of people I know are Black, but that doesn't mean I know everything, and it's not like I have every conversation I have with the Black person is about racism, and so there are just a lot of things that, uh, that are out there that we could just sit and read and listen and it's not it's sometimes it's not even our place to like defend ourselves like we could just acknowledge that it occurs and we don't have to be like well I don't do that like it doesn't matter that you don't do that but like if a collective mass of people are doing it then it's still worth addressing wow that's good yeah and so for me right now has been just a, a very like I mean I've been very outspoken on like Facebook and things like that or like even had like a whole discussion with my mom about systemic racism. I'm saying like we had a long discussion about this like and even though she's been here in the states for a really long time more than she has been in Mexico like it's still a thing that we don't really know about. Um like as long as she's been here like I've been born and raised here and I still don't know A lot of black history like in texas in particular like when i lived in new mexico like i learned a lot about native american history so i know a lot about native american history where you live determines what type of education you get just because you think you've had a comprehensive education where it's very like non-biased like think again (laughs) like you you have had a biased education whether it's come through the educator itself or the education tools yeah. there's always going to be bias like we're not impartial beings like we can't we're emotional beings we pick a side whether yeah like we, we pick a side even if we don't want to we do because it's just our inclination to do so like we just do that out of you know because we are those types of people um yeah and so that's why it's so important to challenge yourself and to read things that do make wow. you uncomfortable. Um, there has been a lot of Instagram um, profiles that I've come across that, like, when I first, like, came in contact with them, it made me angry because I was like, <laughs> oh, my, like, this isn't who I am. Like, where are they generalizing and blah, blah, blah. But then the more that I, like, yeah. you know... Mm-hmm. So like I removed that like anger and just kind of like okay like what are they actually yeah like what are they actually saying um, right and then you just learn like you just naturally learn and like it became more aware of like oh these are problems and even if I don't specifically do them like that doesn't mean that other people aren't um and it and if it's a problem that other people are seeing trends then that means there's a lot of people doing it even if it's not you specifically You know, and so that's that's what I think about racism is that, like, just because you as a person, even if you're not a person of color, even if you are a person of color that aren't and you're not necessarily black, you can be racist, too. Um, And you can have prejudiced thoughts. And I know this because in my Mexican culture, heritage, whatever, what have you. Yeah. It is also rampant. Like the the ideas we have about black people are very negative. The connotations we use when yeah. talking about black people are very negative. And so it's just like, um, and that's sh- and I can't just sit here and say, like, oh, and that's just that's just a Mexican thing. Like <laughs> yeah. that's that shouldn't be something that is so normalized, you know? Like that shouldn't be something that is normalized. Um
0: mm. and I am a
1: person of color. But that doesn't mean that I can't be racist or have racist thoughts. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's just you have to challenge yourself and educate yourself. Like, I could literally look like a toad, but if I had white <laughs> skin, like that would still put me above a lot of people, <laughs> and that's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I think what you've just said too is very important to understand. Is like this isn't mutually exclusive to one culture. This is not just an American problem. Again, it's like a world problem. There's so many different cultures with so many different things that um, are anti-black. And it's just so interesting that it really does all stem from the same place. Like if you look at the history, if you really do the deep search, I'm not going to do that here because we're talking about the Bible. But if you do the world history and kind of look and see where these, like all this ideas came from, it really did originate in the same place. And so... But I want to again reemphasize that God has specifically given us the answer, the perspective we're supposed to look at all of this with, the opinion we're supposed to have on this. And I think another really important verse just to kind of end this section off with is um, James 2:9. If you so if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law of as transgressors. And so anyone who has a preference of anything, of any specific people group Mm -hmm. versus another that is sin. Yeah, so now we're going to move into talking about our personal experiences with racism. I'm going to invite Tots to go first, but basically what this is just going to be is just kind of things that we've experienced, things that we've seen possibly, too. Um, I'm sure that this could go on forever, you know, like we could talk about stuff like this, what we've seen online, what we've seen all over the place, but I think it's just important that you connect um, people that you know, like connect this issue to people that you know so it hits home a little harder for you guys, but um, I, I encourage you guys to ask, like Tatiana was say, ask and listen to the people of color in your life and see what they've been through. See what parts of this they've experienced so that you can get a new perspective and stop thinking that this is just like a one-person problem or something like that, that this doesn't affect you or the people that you're around because I am almost 100% sure that you know somebody closely who's dealt with some sort of some form of this um some form of racism so yeah tots if you'd love to go first and then i'll Mm -hmm. go after you it doesn't have to be long right whatever whatever you're feeling willing to share right
1: so like i said i've mentioned several times throughout this podcast i am white i'm a white mexican-american and if i wanted to disassociate myself from my mexican culture i very well could because i could pass off as just a random white american um obviously like that is not what i do i'm very open about my my ethnicity um and i love my ethnicity and my heritage uh but for me like my experience with racism obviously is never directed at me uh mm. like i've never been part of a you know a microaggression where I was like oh like you know, you're pretty for a white girl, like, <laughs> that, that, that's not, that's never happened to me, Um, because I, I keep mentioning this, but across cultures, like, I am considered beautiful, and just because of my white skin and my nose, and that, and I specifically mention the nose, because uh, I'll give you an example, like, when I was overseas in Southeast Asia for a mission trip, um, I remember, this was really just, it really hit hard in a, in a, just a, such a different way, but, um, when I was over there, we, we came in contact with these, like, group of ladies, um, and immediately, like, they just gravitated towards us, also because we were like, the only white people there, um, but they gravitated towards us, and they were just, like, like, obviously, they're speaking Bahasa, uh, their language, and, um, all of the women like there are so many surrounding me and they just like grabbed my hands and they were just like they touched my nose and they're like shantique 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 and shantique in bahasa uh means beautiful so uh they were just saying like you're so like our translator was just saying oh they think you're so pretty they think you're so pretty and they would like touch my nose because like it was smaller than it wasn't flat like their noses or like They had darker skin, obviously, because they're like, they just have more melanin. And they're like, a lot of them would wear long sleeve shirts or, you know, have bleaching creams and like, because they would want their skin to be lighter. And like, it just hurt my heart because it's like, you have all these beautiful women in their own respective right, like looking at me and thinking like that I am the definition of beauty because of my white skin and my small nose. And like, yeah. that was just so like, it broke my heart because it was just like again, just tying back to like we were all made in the image of God, like, yeah, it just hurt to see that on a mission, trip. yeah, like they just didn't, they didn't <laughs> see their beauty, and because this like, this yeah. cultural idea that there's they're not good enough, um, and, and and obviously just like a much deeper there's much deeper roots there, but like. Yeah, like I said, like, that has been a constant um thing for me. Is just saying, like, I've carried this yeah. guilt of, like, like, also just wanting to be more Mexican-looking, I guess. I mean, if you look at me and I tell you I'm Mexican, you can see it. But it's still, like, I feel guilt almost as if, like, I don't relate to, like, my darker, you know, people yeah. who have experienced so many different things. Um yeah. and, and I only speak to like the beauty part because it's just like I'm not here trying to be like I'm conceited and blah blah blah. <laughs> but but that's just like there are a lot of other instances, you know, yeah. but it it's just that one is what <laughs> comes to mind the most because that was the most striking and it and it was like I can't change what I look like.
0: Yeah.
1: And other people can't change what they look like. But they shouldn't have to feel so like not I don't know what the right word is, but just so bad in their own skin that they feel like they have to go as far as using bleaching creams, you know like that makes that makes me sad, yeah, um, so yeah, very um eye opening experience to say the least
0: i I think uh I just want to really reiterate the fact that. Colorism is in every people group. It's so interesting how the lighter you are. Yeah, it's it's just so crazy. Okay. So now I'm gonna talk about my experiences with racism as a person of color. If you don't already know this, which would be really weird if you didn't, I am an African-American woman. Um, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Love, love Texas, but you know, we have our own history, we have our own issues. We, as a state, have our own history that (laughs) is separate and taught differently than the um, United States history classes, which I think is so fitting for Texas. But I did love growing up here. My parents are amazing pastors, um, both born and raised in Ghana, West Africa. So they immigrated here, had me and all my siblings here. Um, And so, yeah, so that's kind of my background. Um, But I did experience lots and lots of microaggressions growing up, and I didn't know, I didn't know that's what they were. Basically, I would always be told that I wasn't, I wasn't black, that I didn't act black. Uh, I can't believe you're black, love, because you're not actually black. And this was from black and my school's predominantly Hispanic, um, but this was from all of them, all of the races. They were like, "Wow, love, you really don't act like a black person," like blah blah. And I'm like, "Well, you know, my parents are African, you know, so well mm-hmm. maybe that's why." But in reality, these people were just saying really racistly undertoned comments to me, um, and I didn't know for the longest time. I didn't know that's what that was, mm. but I always associated being black with being negative, like being a bad thing, mm. and so. I would really actually get happy when people would say, "Wow, love, you, you, you're so well-spoken, like for a black girl or whatever, and um, you're so smart. No. Like you're not like all the other black kids, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "No, I'm not. I'm not like all the other black kids," <laughs> and I would like pride myself in that because especially when growing, this is some reflecting I've been doing in the last couple weeks. But in a lot of my classes, there were very few black girls. Black guys were scarce as it is, but even in my classes, there were very few black girls. And my parents really pushed me to take upper level classes all the time. And the more, mm. like the higher up I got in my education, the less black people I saw around me in my classes. I would wow. take um, higher level H, K classes, GT. I was in the GT program. And um, there again, there were very few black women, black girls around me. Um, mm. And I even had very few black teachers. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I've ever had a black male teacher other than like a coach, which, again, kind of just plays into the idea that certain genders are for certain roles and certain races are for certain roles, which, um, again, was perpetuated through my education. So Mm -hmm. I get to um, high school and I'm on a dance team with very diverse, very, very diverse dance team. But again, it was all all women's dance team. Uh, My school, again, was predominantly Hispanic. And so that was... I would say the majority culture, but like in the high school, like you're only seeing one section of the world. Like it's not like this everywhere. And so, um, again, I prided myself in my academics. I tried really hard to do a lot of the things that Mm -hmm. a lot of other black girls in my school weren't doing. Like I did a lot of clubs. I did a lot of programs. Um, there were of course other students who were just like me who pushed themselves. Of course there were girls were black who pushed themselves and did lots of hard things and whatever like took hard classes or whatever but I always prided myself that I was like oh I was that person that black girl who's doing a lot of stuff who's the leader in a bunch of clubs who was um, president of a bunch of clubs because Mm -hmm. at that point in my life that's where I got a lot of my validation was just doing the most so I applied to all these schools blah 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 and I didn't even understand at the time Mm -hmm. what an HBCU really was, because we weren't taught the history. No one was taught the history of what HBCUs were. Um, Only if you, and I hate saying Mm -hmm. this, but only if you really had parents who were born and raised here in the US, you would know what those are. Like, my parents wouldn't have even really wanted me to go to a school like that because, again, being black had a bad connotation with it. And I didn't, it couldn't, I couldn't verbalize it at that time because I didn't even know what that was. It was just like an undertone in kind of everything I did. Mm. And so, when I applied to a lot of, I applied to a couple different universities. I got accepted to Baylor. I had no real idea that it was a really white school. Like, I just knew that Mm -hmm. it was a Christian school. Um, Green and gold were their colors. My friend who was black applied and got in. She um, was, and I went to see the campus and it was beautiful. Like, you know, I was seeing everything from very rose colored lenses. I didn't understand the racial component that a predominantly white school university had. And so went to Baylor really enjoyed my time there but of course realized very quickly that there was not a majority of hispanic people at this school so it wasn't like high school at all everyone was basically white um and i had grown like i hung out with white people i've grown up around white people so it wasn't like completely new water but I realized like if I wanted to find like black friends who were maybe even another Ghanaian person who had another Ghanaian background I'd have to go digging for them like I'd have to go look around and try to find them because they weren't prevalent on campus um and as I got further up in my career and like things like the Black Lives Matter movement started happening I didn't Mm. I couldn't fully understand what was going on because nobody taught me about the stuff that um systemic racism left behind for us to figure out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What the slavery in America left behind for us to figure out. No one taught that in schools. So, if I'm being fully honest, it's really in this season and in the last couple years of my Baylor education where I started doing workshops and going into things and understanding what cultural competency and cultural humility really was, that I got to understand that, oh, microaggressions, I've been hearing that my whole life. and. That's actually racist. And to assume that, like, I think the term is exceptionalism, but like to assume that I'm the exception, that because I've done all these great things, that I'm the exception to the rule, um, that black people are problematic is supposed to be, like, it's praised, but it's actually racist inherently because you're assuming that because I'm black that I wasn't gonna amount to anything. I learned, I had to learn how to love my skin, I had to learn how to love my hair, so, but I'm still learning to love it because of how right. inherent this yeah. undertone of black uh, skin isn't as beautiful, black hair isn't as nice. Um,
1: that mm. I've been dealing
0: with my whole life that I didn't even know. Yeah. And that's the thing that I really want to echo out to people is awareness, is that if you're not aware of the way these things are affecting you, it's not going to show mm-hmm. up until something bad like George Floyd's death happens. You know what I mean? like Right. I think this is a wake-up call for everybody to start appreciating the skin that you're in and the things the lord has already blessed you with and using that for him and his purpose and using that to empower and educate other people like now i can really talk about what it looks like to love my skin and love my hair and love my heritage because the lord has given me opportunity to really dive into that part of myself but also see what happens when i don't love that part of myself you know i wrote a poem for Juneteenth about um, just what Juneteenth really meant to me that year, and um, one of the first things I wrote was, um, basically, if I don't love the skin that I'm in, more lives could die, and it really... It, I I really took that to heart because I really wanted to right. emphasize and understand yeah. that the Lord gave me the skin for a reason. And if I choose to hate it, just like my oppressors, like the white people who say, mm. like, black, if I choose to hate it just like yeah. they're saying that it's wrong, then more people like me will die. And I, I had to start taking responsibility for the things I'm saying and mm-hmm. the way I'm acting. And um, I can't just be passive anymore and just let these microaggressions like right. fly past me. Um, I have to be actively involved and I have to be actively aware that if I don't choose to love the skin God's given me, I am literally defying a part of the purpose he's called me into. And that's just how you have to live your life. You have to start taking accountability for the things the Lord has given you, for the life the Lord has given you. And I have definitely, I'm sure I've met more racist people than not. And I'm sure that my behavior has surprised them because I didn't fit the stereotypes in their heads. I think the Lord is just using my the personality he gave me to kind of shake up some people's worlds and be like look you can't go around thinking this way about all black people because i haven't created black people to fit a stereotype (laughs) you know what i mean Mm. i hope that makes sense Mm -hmm. but
1: yeah Yeah. i think that was very beautifully said And, and i will say too that like our experiences in terms of just like race race and ethnicity mm. are slightly different because we're first generation americans Oof. um and i think like that is like our parents came here to this country so that we would have better lives so yeah. that they would have better lives yeah and so their idea of like racism and any fault in yes, this country yes, yes. kind of goes over their head mm-hmm. because to them like this was a dream wow. and it is good, you know, and I think that, like, that is so so. when good. I had a conversation with my mom about systemic racism, she was so, like, quick to say, like, I don't think it exists, like, I don't think it exists, and it's just, like, and it was so hard for me to have this conversation right. with her because she was very adamant that she's, like, She's like, if we lived in Mexico, like, our country, like, we are, if this country is run, like, in Mexico, mm-hmm. it would be so different. It would be, like, how Mexico is very corrupt and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, like, I understand. Yeah. Like, because Mexico, unfortunately, is very corrupt, and the justice system is not, like, our justice system. And even if it is very corrupt in its own way, it's still substan like, there's still some substance of justice within our system. Yeah whether we recognize it or not, like we're still very we as Americans are privileged in that. Again, our parents want to see the best in America because they they came here with that hope and that dream. Right. And it's like and we are that hope and that dream that we we are here in this country. And we were born in this country and we have opportunities. It just even when love, when you were talking about your experience at Baylor, like it just kinda really dawned on me also that like for me It was an accomplishment to go to a school with predominantly white students. Yeah. Because I was like, I am like them in terms of like, I can be as successful as them. Mm. I was proud to go to that school because it was like no first generation American whose mom cleans houses can just do this, like paying this expensive tuition. And the fact that I graduated in four years and did all the things that I did at Baylor, like to me it was an accomplishment and i won't like and i i do love baylor and i i even it could be diverse it could be better obviously but to me like it meant so much because i proved to everyone as well like kind of how like you were saying about like you weren't a statistic you weren't you didn't fit that mold that people were trying to put on you like yeah i've also felt that pressure of like i have to Mm -hmm. prove i wanted to prove that like i wasn't going to be uh, subject to teen pregnancy. I wasn't going to drop out of high school. Like I wasn't going to live off welfare. Like I was going to be highly educated and I was going to, you know, invest and be like this business entrepreneur yeah. um because I I didn't want to be a part of that stereotype. Right. And I'm not. I'm not a part of that that negative stereotype. Um and so, yeah, yeah. I I think that race and ethnicity go go very deep in our motivations as people and what we do and how we act you were saying about how like you were proud that people didn't associate you with the image that they had of black people you know and yeah and that's also so sad. yeah and it's sad because it's like you didn't even realize like it's it's racist um yeah but that's and I think like that's so true that like we're trying so hard as people of color, to just prove to these, you know, prejudiced and racist people that we are not like, you know, um, like the other people that they associate us with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but inherently, sometimes we also perpetuate that racist narrative to them, because mm-hmm. you're just like, well, exactly. I'm not like the others. But it's like, well, yeah, the other people exactly. aren't like that either, you know. Uh-huh. yeah.
0: So, oh my gosh! And yeah. the thing is, it's like even if they are like that, what does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. just because they have that personality that you feel like stereotypical Black people should have, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're any less capable than you. That doesn't mean anything.
1: Right? Exactly. That literally
0: has no meaning attached to it. But mm-hmm. you're saying because they're like this, it's attached. It's attached to this meaning, which is inherently not true. Right. I, um. This has just been such a fruitful conversation, and I think, um. I give, I give myself a lot of grace because I didn't know what I didn't know. And I Mm -hmm. think, um, now that I do know and I'm no longer ignorant and I think in the same vein like you, um, we are active in the fact that like we are seeking out truth in the bible um and we are listening to the people we care about in the world around us and we are Mm -hmm. listening for the brokenhearted people because that's where god is near right the scriptures say he's close to the brokenhearted and Mm -hmm. broken in spirit and so in this pursuit of trying to understand what to do Mm -hmm. we have to listen and i think we have to listen and we have to be aware we are perpetuating the idea of racism in this country, but also how um, we can choose to end, like, it ends now. Mm -hmm. We can choose to raise our kids and teach them, like, look, yes, there are gonna be people who treat you this way because they have these prejudgmental thoughts, but in Christ, you know, we are Mm -hmm. one, and he gave us our background and our heritage for a reason and a purpose, and it's beautiful. Everything the Lord gives, it's good. Um, This is definitely going to be a two-part episode, <laughs> which we just decided right now. Woo! Yeah. But just to kind of close out, I found a really, really powerful article um, about the church and racial reconciliation that was written in 1995. Wow. It was written in 1995, had articles from the 1980s, the 1970s, mm-hmm. okay, that it referenced to talking about the civil rights movement and what the church is supposed to do, okay? And... When I read this, it was like reading, it was reading history happening now. It was like, history does tend Mm -hmm. to repeat itself, I think. I think we just didn't finish the work. I think the problem is, is like, we left it at that in the civil rights movement then. Mm -hmm. But again, we are currently in the biggest civil rights movement in all of history. And I think we know how powerful it is when we get the right vision. And if we're all moving Mm -hmm. towards the same direct target, but... Um, I really wanted to talk about why racism still persists, but also talking about it from a Christian perspective and understanding what we've been taught as Christians and how to unlearn the problematic things that we've been taught and go back to seeking truth from the Bible.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah, so all in all, I think that if you learned anything from our discussion is that like, learning is a lifelong thing Amen. you're gonna constantly have to go back and just and you can't like the the idea of being woke like i don't know i i just i i don't i don't see an issue with it but i don't think you can yeah. ever just learn everything um because it, it's just you you're constantly gonna have to learn things and undo certain um ideologies that you've kind of taken to and and that's okay and i think that love you said something about grace and how we should give ourselves grace and or how you give yourself grace and i think grace is so important in these types of conversations um grace and humility like you have Mm -hmm. to forgive yourself for not knowing um because we were taught these things and unfortunately like sometimes we don't even know uh like just exactly love is a black woman in america she didn't even know half of the things that she knows now right and and that is that is you know that happens and as especially like as a white person or another person of color like if you're not necessarily black like that doesn't mean that like you also need to know everything all at once like it's gonna be a process and it's gonna be hurtful yeah and it's going to hurt your feelings, it's going to make you angry. Um but it's it's work that needs to be done um if we're going to change the future. We can give ourselves all these band-aids and like put them, but it the root of the issue is still there. Um and we have to uproot it and get rid of it and make sure it doesn't come back. Um, because it's just like just because we had a black president doesn't mean that racism doesn't exist, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just yeah. because you know like and I think a lot of people really thought during that time that like, oh, racism has ended because Barack Obama is in office, and yeah. we never thought that day would come, um but the fact that we never thought that day would come is evidence that there's still racism in this mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. you know, it took so long for us to have a black so, president, so um and the fact that that even look at the most recent like look at the most recent election who is who is you know we have two white people again two <laughs> white old men so it's just like do you think racism is over the answer is no it's not over and it's gonna be a long time until we it's gonna be a lifelong it's gonna be a lifelong battle yeah. but it's so worth the effort it is so worth it if it means that more people have more opportunities um and they don't have to fight 10 times as hard to get yeah, there yeah. you know
0: no I totally um, agree I think it doesn't matter how much you feel like you've learned in the last three weeks it's really what happens after those three weeks of learning are over or for you right mm-hmm. are you gonna keep learning or you're gonna be like no I think I've done enough you know I think I posted <laughs> yeah I posted a black square I think I've done enough Like, no, Mm -hmm. you know, you post a black square, but then you call, you call some departments, you call some DAs, you, and it Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be every day. Like, this is tiring stuff. Right. The people who do Mm -hmm. this as their full-time job don't even do this every day. Like, they take breaks. They understand what it means to recharge. That's why, again, self-care is so important during this time, especially for people of color. But I think it's important that it becomes a lifestyle so like the same way you try your best to eat healthy you don't eat healthy every single day all the time you do have those cheap meals or whatever i don't know you (laughs) you have that same kind of posture towards this like look i i'm not going to say the right thing all the time but i'm going to work every day to get better Mm -hmm. i'm going to work every day to be stronger i'm going to work every day to understand more be more compassionate and i think it's this is especially important for christians Um, But, of course, this is a posture every person can take. But this is especially important for Christians because it is part of our job to have empathy. It is part of our job to be um, Mm -hmm. part of the racial reconciliation that happens here on earth. It is our job to bring that picture that John saw in Revelation here on earth. We can see it on earth before we see it in heaven. And I think, um, Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, I
0: think that's just really important. ¶¶ I also really wanted to talk, and you talked about this already, Tots, about learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like, you should always have a life Mm -hmm. that is slightly uncomfortable. If you're ever just super comfortable, like, you can predict what's going to happen every day, you're probably, like, not doing, um, you're not doing yourself a a good service. Like, you should be always striving, like, always Mm -hmm. pushing yourself for more. Like, it's okay to have, like, again, self-care, like, being able to relax, recharge, or whatever. But I think it's really important that um, you also are pushing yourself to dive deeper, understand the word of God more, but understand the people that you're serving more as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, um, so again, some more practical next steps is that if you're trying to have these conversations with people, you have to ask them before you even begin, like are you even willing to accept the fact that your opinion, your current opinion might be wrong? Like If you're not even under, like willing to mm-hmm. accept that, like I don't think you should be having conversations with people like that, because at the end of the day, it's not going to be fruitful. It's just going to be an argument. It's not going to be mm-hmm. fruitful. But if a person's like, you know what? I've really looked at everything, and I really want to learn, and I understand that I might be wrong at the end of this. Those are the people you want to have conversations with, because mm-hmm. they're more willing to... They're, again, more humble. They're more willing to be in the fact that like, oh, I might be wrong about this instead of the pride of like, no, I know everything I need to know about this, but I'll just hear you out so I can tell you (laughs) all that you're wrong. Like those are not the people we Mm -hmm. wanna be having conversations with. Um, And as Christians, we have to be caring and we have to understand that caring about people means caring about the situations that they're in. Um, A question kinda wanted to pose Mm -hmm. to you, Tots, but also like to the audience to think about too, is could our understanding of scripture our ways of worshiping and even our image of God be culturally acquired rather than biblically centered. I frowned from that article I was telling you about from 1995, which really tore me apart. Like when it asked me some of these questions, right. I was like, "What in the world? Like how? Am, how am I supposed to do, know this? Like," and I was sitting there with this question specifically, and I feel like it really tied into our topic well. Um, like really if you really think about it, everything we've been taught is culturally based. And even the way we view scripture and we've been taught the things of God has been in our culture, not necessarily from the immutable word of God. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, I think it is absolutely true that, you know, our culture shapes the way that we view God um, and the word of God in particular. Um, I mean, you can see it everywhere you'll like you want to do something that you think may be wrong you flip to scripture and see like is it gonna confirm or deny whether or not what we're doing is wrong um in particular like jesus we view as a white man a white american man (laughs) and jesus was not a white american man um We have to... and Like, whether or not his skin color was lighter or darker, what have you. Culturally, he was Middle Eastern. Um, And we have to... Yeah, ethnically. Yes. Um, And that is something we have to keep in mind. That, like, a lot of these things... Especially within the Bible. Like, this... Obviously, like, like, Love had mentioned. I was a religion major. So I studied this stuff. But culturally, like this word of god like you have to understand the culture in order to understand how radical some of the stuff uh that's in the bible really is um like we we talk about like jesus and the samaritan um and how like the samaritan was taken care of despite the jewish people not like hating the samaritans jesus was just basically saying like it is about the person not about what they represent to you like it is not about what you think about them that matters it is about them you know um and i think like when we see stories like that or hear stories like that within the bible we have to understand the context of it and then recognize like that is what god is saying um in particular like jesus in this point like what he says is so profound because there was such division um within the people groups within the bible like there was so much division constantly whether it was between jew and gentile women and men um all over the place like you see like different tribes war whatever it is um there's so much division within the bible but the whole you know part of that makes this so beautiful is that like jesus ties all of that together you know god ties all of that together and still there is importance and there's a message here that god surpasses all those divisions you know his love surpasses all those divisions um and i think like the distinctions aren't cease from existing like the distinctions are there but the divisions mm-hmm. don't have to be yeah
0: no i agree like you can beat a diverse church without making it a divisive thing like you don't have to be clicky (laughs) exactly
1: like right like you don't and and that is what i think makes the bible so special and unique is that like and people take it out of context all the time which is so unfortunate because like there's so much beauty and culture within this within this word um and so when you really understand the culture within the bible you really start to see the characteristics of god and like and that is how you don't take god's characteristics out of context kind of just going back to like could our understanding of scripture ways of worshiping an image of god be culturally acquired that is the answer is yes um (laughs) if that i didn't make that clear the answer is is yes because it also goes back to like how we spend time with god like are we only listening to sermons are we only listening to podcasts are we only you know or are we also looking and doing our own research Mm -hmm. because again those things are biased those things are going to like the information that we get from other people are going to have their their taint of understanding like Whatever they're thinking, that is how they're going to present it to you. And if it's someone who isn't culturally aware or isn't um, very, mm. you know, keen on going to do the research about, like, the cultural understanding, like, then you're going to get a non-culturally inclusive understanding of the Bible, you know? And that is what why I feel like in Christianity we have such a whitewashed, you know, version of the bible um where we think about like where we think a lot of times when god is talking about israel americans think about it's talking about america (laughs) and it's not it's not it's not talking about america it's talking about (laughs) israel and and it's talking about that nation and that people group um and so yeah i think it's just important to do your own research just with everything like you can't rely on other people. You can't rely on even your pastors no matter how much you uh, admire and trust them. Like do your own research and and see if the information that they're giving you is 100% like based in truth and fact. And not even just fact, but just truth. Like because facts change every so often, but truth doesn't. You know, truth is is substantial and it and it continues because there are so many times myself where i relied on my pastors especially youth pastors yeah. and like the facts and the articles that they gave me in their sermons and i and i held on to those as truth until i essentially went to college <laughs> and my whole world was dismantled and it was really hard for me to reconcile that with the word of god because they used the word of god to justify all those things right and so it was really hard for me to just be like who are you god like what who what god am i serving if it's not what i was taught and so uh, until you do your own research and until you have your own relationship with god and not just a relationship through your pastor and your church that is when transformation comes and that is when your foundation Mm -hmm. and friendship in christ is solidified i got really preachy you just (laughs)
0: went off this you just went off um that was powerful i'm not even gonna try go back rewind listen to this part again like that was really good i'm just gonna end on this note if changes are necessary we have to avoid the mistake of looking for easy answers um i think if your church experience um is with people that look like you and people who think like you i really do feel like you're suffering um, you're not experiencing a part of God that He wants you to experience, um, and I think again, as believers, we have to be willing to take the forefront mm-hmm. on this and be the ones to call out God's truth about the world He wants us to be in and the church that uh, what the church should look like first. Like, let's fix the right. church because the church don't even look like that, and then of course, also take that into the world and say, look, world. This is what unity truly mm-hmm. does look like. We are all diverse. We all have different cu- cultures and different customs, but in the word of God we are one and in Christ we are one. Also, um, wait. Yeah, I also so had
1: something that yeah. I forgot to completely say, but I think it's worth mentioning. The idea of like why especially in particular like particularly racism persists in the church is our idea of evil yeah, yeah, yeah. and good um we have a lot of rhetoric that centers that darkness and black equals bad and evil, and white equals good and pure mm. um and I just want to say that like there it's all Ooh. over our church like lingo and the way that we say like oh like um that even that song was like. God has washed me white as snow or like Jesus has the blood of Jesus has washed me white as snow. I hate that song, not because of like what it's trying to communicate, but because of the way that it's worded. And it always makes me feel so like not good inside because it's like to be washed white as snow. Like it's just the way that we use that and that we just continue to just say like black
0: black just means
1: i know i understand that in the church when they say black they just mean without light right like they're using the color black as in but yeah. it it becomes harmful when it's like we start associating you know bad things yeah. with black which is why i think that that narrative that black people are these like scary things and like and and i say thing like that just sounds so horrible but it's like we dissociate it so much that we start thinking that like black people are bad and they're just they're just crime you know ridden and and they all they want to do is bad things and all the but that's not there's no like fundamental Mm. like basis for that other than like we have this idea that has been ingrained all throughout our lives especially within the church that black is bad because it represents evil and like I'm pretty sure that's like a cross-cultural thing um but I I don't know if that's like factual or true but that I feel like has perpetuated this idea of racism and our idea of like why we just so wish to be a like associated with whiteness because again it represents purity and it represents mm. goodness and it represents um without sin so yeah i i think that i would challenge people to just really you know pay attention to the words that they're using um and how they're using them to perpetuate certain yeah. christian ideologies oh,
0: that's so so good so good i think Again, it goes back to like that original question of like, who is teaching you what is right and wrong? Who is teaching you what is biblically mm-hmm. correct? If it's not the Bible itself, then it might be biased. Okay. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And so, again, I think, uh, just to kind of close us out, again, taking us on next steps. Begin with your existing friendships. You don't have to go make a bunch of black friends tomorrow. That is not what we're asking you to do. <laughs> we are saying, take account of the friends that you already have and be better friends to them. How can you better understand the culture and values mm-hmm. of your friends from a different ethnicity? If you don't have any, okay, problematic, but that again, don't go jump and find a bunch <laughs> of black friends because that's not authentic. The Lord will, you pray about it, the Lord will mm-hmm. give you awesome people of color to surround yourself with you probably already know them through a friend of a friend um, again the Lord will give you opportunity if you really if you really have that heart the Lord will give you opportunity to find people outside of your circle um, who don't look like you to talk to about the things of God but also just about life okay then try to expand your circle right. of friends who include that start including other races and ethnicities. If your friend group is really exclusive think about that change that. You know, um, the Lord, God is not an exclusive God. He's literally (laughs) waiting for everyone to come to repentance and know Jesus, every single person, every single race. So you should have that same posture that you're trying to get to know every single person from every single race, from every single background to bring them closer to Christ. Um, you can also choose to live and work once. Okay. So we're young Mm -hmm. adults. We're thinking about the future. You can choose to work and live in places that are diverse, Texas, is pretty diverse. I will be honest. Houston is extremely diverse, okay? Yes. Um, of course, there's pockets of different people groups, but redlining is still a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you can research about that. So, go out of your way to do the research and find out where you can raise a family that will experience mm-hmm. other cultures. Don't just move to the rich people's neighborhood because you're rich now. Because they might, it might be a white neighborhood. It might look like the same thing we're trying to like trying to change, okay? Your church, the church that mm-hmm. you attend, try your best to go to a diverse church, it's hard. Um, and it's even problematic how there's a black church and a white church and an yeah. Asian church, you know? <laughs> when in reality, we are all one body in mm-hmm. Christ. But try your best to find a diverse group of people. Even if you are a white family, maybe go to the black church every other week, like, or once a month, mm-hmm. you know? Or, like, whatever you and your family feel comfortable doing, serving there, helping out with functions, because it's important to you expose your children to people who don't look like them, so they're not afraid of those people when they're older. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they don't begin to adopt these stereotypes that these people are weird or bad or different, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? No, everyone is created in the image of God, and so if you start with that, then and expose your children to people who are different but also made in the image of God they'll begin to again not adopt these mm-hmm. racist mindsets that are so easily um, adopted and I, and I want to re- emphasize that if you're not actively anti-racist if you're not actively looking to condemn racism then you're, it's going to get stuck on your hands it's going to get you're going right. to breathe it in you're going to see it you're going to mm-hmm. allow it to pass you by and you're not going to call it out And I think a really great example was um, how racism, because of the way America was built, is in the air that we breathe. Mm -hmm. It's like in the DNA of this country. And if you're not careful, it'll like eat you up and it'll slip into your heart and then it'll slip out of your mouth. And then by the time you know it, you're racist. So (laughs) again, do that. And also what Tatiana has already, already emphasized a ton, but education, education, education. There are other books that talk about it from a worldly Mm -hmm. perspective, but we've already given you scripture on how God views the world. So start using those um, resources. There's resources everywhere about racism specifically, but of course the word of God is also a great place to understand how Jesus approaches cross-cultural communication, um, specifically the passage about the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, Go back, read that story, really understand it. Um, Ask for God's clarity on it. Um, Yeah. And so try to expose yourself to different ethnic groups. And lastly, look for opportunities, whether that be festivals or performances that celebrate your own culture, but also others. Um, These are public events, okay, that everyone's invited to. This is an everybody barbecue. (laughs) And get to understand and know people, Mm -hmm. you know? This world was made so that everyone could enjoy and partake in the cultures um, that the Lord has put on this earth, um, and to learn more about who God Mm. is through that. Mm -hmm. And again, if you have all of this from the perspective of what God has given to us on this earth, you will not treat people like they're not worth it. Mm -hmm. You will not have these racist ideologies. it'll be really easy for you to identify when someone's being racist too so Mm -hmm. yeah but thank you tots for coming on this episode it was so powerful it'll definitely be a two-parter so make sure you listen to part one if you haven't already um but thank you again tots um (laughs) and yeah i'm just gonna pray us out um yeah Actually, Tots, do you want to (laughs) pray?
1: Yeah, I'll pray. I I knew it was coming. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Jesus, for this time, Lord, that we just got to just really just dive right into what Your Word says about Your heart for Your people, Lord Jesus. That You just give us more humility um, in these topics, God, and in these seasons where everything is so uncertain and where we're just so desperate for answers, God. I pray that you give us grit and strength to just keep going and keep fighting um, for truth, God, and that you just give us the wisdom to see your heart and where your truth lies, God, uh, that we can decipher the right and the wrong in the best way, God, and not so uh, just succumb to divisiveness, Lord Jesus, and that we just approach every situation and conversation with grace and humility, God, and that you just keep showing us and keep, um, revealing to us your heart, Lord Jesus, within these times of, of just, uh, just so much brokenness and, and sadness, God, um, that you just restore our vision for your people, Lord, and that you just continue to to love on us and show us your grace because we need it every single day so we just want to say thank you for this time that we were able to just really dissect and sit here and talk about your
0: heart and and your people and we love you in jesus name amen 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 Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of for the one podcast i hope you listened to part one and really enjoyed it as well um but yeah be on the lookout because this is not the last time we will have this conversation again this is a lifelong journey and the more we learn the more i will share and of course hopefully toss will be back on soon but i'm hoping to have other guests as well so again make sure you listen to part one if you haven't already And I'm really, really excited about what the Lord is doing, not only in my life, but in the lives of the people around me and also what the Lord is doing in the world. I think this is a big wake up call for everybody to start checking themselves. And the Lord, uh, the Lord is watching. He's really watching how we respond to this time and how we start treating his creation. So again, thank you guys for listening. And I'm super excited. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.